Hey there, entrepreneurs, and happy Monday. I hope you all had a lovely weekend. Some of us are still in it. If it is a three-day weekend for you, I hope you're enjoying that little bit of extra, you know, free space in your life. And if you have not had a chance to go back and listen to our season two kickoff episode with Liz Edlick from last week, I really recommend you go and do so. I have to say, even after the, you know, after we stopped recording, I continued to have an in-depth conversation with her for like another hour and a half. So she's just a lovely person and she can learn a lot from that episode. But for right now, I am jumping in with the incredible Henry Kaminsky Jr. Let's go. Ever found yourself teetering on the edge of throwing in the towel? You know, asking yourself questions like, is this supposed to be this hard? Or is it even possible to succeed at this entrepreneur thing? I completely get it because I built my successful businesses while juggling major health issues for my children and myself, debt piling up to my eyeballs and so much more. Want to know how the hell I succeeded and how you can too? Tune in to find out. Here we go. entrepreneurs and welcome to today's episode. I am so excited to be joined by this gentleman. He has an amazing story that I know you will all love. And please welcome Henry Kaminsky Jr. to the show. He is the founder of Unique Designs, which is a full service design, branding, and digital marketing agency. And it's dedicated to helping personality brands, which I think is a very unique niche there and very helpful. He's the host of the Brand Doctors podcast, and he's worked with amazing people, like one of my favorites, John Bon Jovi, um, as well as he's been dubbed the million dollar brander, brander by Russell Brunson as he was being inducted into the two comma club. So thank you for being with me today, Henry. What an intro. <laughs> I thank try. You, I thank try. You, you know, was... I, I, like we said, I go back and forth. I don't want to read the whole thing, but I also want to highlight you because you're you're kind of kick ass. So we're oh, gonna make sure to, we're gonna hit the bullets. <laughs> you all right over here. Look at this. Make up, please. Make up. Make up. I know. What a, oh, um, yeah, someone will be right over to powder you up. <laughs> if only, if only we had a crew. Right. Um, all right, my dear, you have a really amazing story. You know, when I was listening to your videos and doing the research, you know, you had an amazing start to life, which I have two medically complicated children. So I feel for your mom um, on on that level, as well as, you know, I know your parents are really influential. So why don't we just kick it off and you tell us from the beginning, you know, what's driving you and how you got here in entrepreneurship. Sure. I'm going to keep this really tight for you guys so we can get into the potatoes. So when my parents got married, 40 something years ago at this yeah. point. Yeah. Um, they wanted to start a family and they couldn't. There was the med- medicine wasn't the way it is today. And they really didn't understand what was wrong. Um, and they tried for 16 years to start a family and they they were unsuccessful. And as I don't know about any of you guys, but uh, I don't know if I would do anything for 16 years in a row and continue to fail and get up and keep trying You know, I would of course correct it along the lines. I would have figured something else out. I would have looked for alternatives, but these two knuckleheads went at it for 16 years and was unsuccessful. And then medicine started to get a little better. And eventually it happened. 
and and I was born and it was a blessing. And my, and my mother always used to call me her miracle baby. And I never understood why. Well, now I get it. So once medic, medicine basically showcased what the issue was, my mom went in for a short surgery and boom, nine months later, here I come. Now, fast forward two years in, my mom's doing her thing in the kitchen. I'm sleeping in my 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 crib and she comes in to check on me and I am blue and unresponsive. And so they rush me to the hospital and just to keep it tight. Um, apparently I lost all the nutrients out of my body. I basically urinated all of the nutrients out of my body. And I was basically on, on, on death's door. Yeah. And uh, they were able to revive me. And here I am 40 years later. So when my mom would tell this story to her girlfriends, it didn't really make sense to me as a young kid. But as I got older and, and I felt really like I was on borrowed time, I really felt like I, I, I'm here on purpose. I don't know what yeah. that purpose is. I'm 10 years old. I don't know what's <laughs> going on. Right. Um, but I'm here for a reason. Otherwise, I wouldn't be. Yeah. And so I'm going to make the best out of my life I possibly can. And so I was always in roles of leadership. I was always in roles, even in, in high school and, and, and college. Um, I was like an orientation facilitator in college for three years, two years. And like, I was always in those leadership roles, but I never felt like I was a leader. I struggled tremendously with confidence issues, self-esteem issues, because when my parent, when I was about six, seven I think it was right around then my parents went through an ugly, ugly divorce that, that went on for almost a decade. Wow. And it was, it was just, I felt like a, a tennis ball yeah. just being popped across the court, you know, yeah. one side to the other side, to the other side. And so finally my father took custody of me and he raised me all by himself. And wow. He was, he was, uh, he worked for UPS for 33 years as a shop steward. So he was a mechanic. And, uh, when I, I, I was like 12 years old, I was mowing lawns and then I was working at the grocery store, pulling carts. And then, you know, yeah. um, I eventually built up this strong work ethic. And so I was never afraid to work and I always had a couple bucks in my pocket. And so I would, I would accelerate at work because I wasn't afraid to do it. And uh, that led me into my professional career at, at a local hospital. I graduated college right when 9-11 hit. So nobody was hiring yeah. and the world was really in, in, in at war, really. Yeah. So there, it was a very unsettled time and uncertain time, but my uncle was able to get me into this local hospital. He was pretty affluent in it. And um, we, we worked, well, I should have, we, <laughs> me and my little buddy that sits next to me on my shoulder, <laughs> right? Well, I worked my ass up. I was there eight years, got my master's degree. And when I first got there, they didn't give me anything. They were like, you're going to be checking insurances and we know who you're related to. So there was a little bit of resentment there because I kind of had to take me. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't fun, yeah. but I moved around and worked my way up into a, an assistant director position in the children's hospital for the sudden infant death syndrome center. So for those folks that don't know what SIDS is, it's when a baby dies under the age of one years old with no cause. Yeah. The autopsy comes back pretty much blank and they, 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 they base it, they, they label it SIDS, right? So very rewarding. It's going to sound a little strange, 
but a, a very rewarding position, but a very sad position. So my, 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 my role there was to not only raise funds for the center, so fundraising, mm -hmm. but I was able to take that money and create four really cool events for all the families in the state of New Jersey that lost a baby to SIDS. So there was a big memorial and then we would do a summer event and a fall event. And, but this fundraising event, I really enjoyed because I learned marketing, I learned design, I learned all these things. And I know I'll never forget it. Z100, one of the biggest radio stations on the planet sponsored one of my events. And I knew at that point, like I need to make this the big one. Yeah. And so my buddy who was a designer at the time, graphic designer at the time kind of sat me down and taught me design and he did all the work for me for that event. But I got bit by the design bug after that. Mm -hmm. the, the event was great. And I, 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 after that, I convinced my boss to get me the design programs and so that I could do everything in house. So I spent three years in that position further on designing all the events in house and coordinating all of that stuff. And then eventually the, the hospital kind of got tight. 2008 hit economic crisis. People were getting thrown around like crazy and fired and let go and all of that. And they came to me and said, Henry, you may, um, you may stay here at the first of the year, but you will become someone's secretary or you could leave. Now here I am master's degree. Yeah. And, and I got this side hustle that's really kicking some ass. And I said, you know what? I got to think about this one because this is like, this is the true meaning of when you get to the T in the road and yeah. you go left or right. Like this was, I was 25, six at the time. And, you know, this could be my, a big career move for me. Right. So I'll never forget it. I went to my uncle's office. He, he owns a big construction company. And he was the one that got me the job. So I said, you know what, out of respect, let me go here and let me ask him what I should do. Cause I, I really wasn't sure. Cause the business was making money, but like, right. was it enough to sustain my lifestyle? And um, he said to me, uh, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, what if I quit the hospital and come work for you for a little bit? And I think the word, I think the little bit rubbed him the wrong way. <laughs> He's like, you're in there, you're out. Yeah. So, so, so he said, well, what would you do here? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, I'll put me with cousin Joe. Like I'll do whatever he does and be able to, he's like, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. <laughs> we work on like hundred million dollar jobs. Like if you came in and you misbid it or, or something screwed up and it came back on you, like, how am I supposed, right? It's not going to be fun. So he said, but listen, let me see what I could do. I'll get back to you. Just give me, give me a couple of Give me a couple of days, week one, week two, week three. Now I'm getting scared, right? And the best thing that ever happened to me, Michelle, was him never getting back to me. Yeah. yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm out. And so I gave my two weeks while well, I gave my notice and um, I left. And the first of the year, I, uh, I remember walking out of my little tiny apartment. I didn't even barely had furniture. I was, I was designing off of a laptop that didn't even have a mouse. I had the, the, the mouse pad on the, on the laptop that I was yeah. designing for hours, 20 hour days. And, um, first year I did 248,000 quarter of a, close to a quarter of a million dollars all by myself, wow. just busting my ass. I had my, I had a girlfriend who's now my wife, but I barely saw her quality of life is awful. Yeah. Um, I was new money. 
because I didn't really, I grew up very humble, you know, my father, uh, but I was torn as I grew up. And this is, I think we can get into this conversation. I was torn when I would go up and visit my uncle. It was like visiting the lifestyles of the rich and famous. And then I would go back to my father where we would live in like, I'm not going to say squalor, but I'm going to say squalor because my father was very miserly. He still is to this day, not to us. Like he's very generous to me and my wife and my son, but like he lives bare bones minimum, like still has his first car that he had, you know, like, yeah. And so I struggled with that, trying to find my own identity growing up. And uh, so when I finally started to make some money, I said, I'm not, I don't want to live like that. I want to live like that. Yeah. Pointing to my uncle Joe. And I did. And it, I thought I was doing the right things. I thought I was proving myself. I thought I was making people proud, but behind closed doors, I was actually creating so much resentment and spite that I basically lost my family because of it. Right. And to this day, it's, it was the cost of, you know, James Brown says this the best. Um, it was the cost to pay. I paid the cost to be the boss. Right. And unfortunately it, it took my family away from me and crazed a lot of ruckus to this day, even, you know, and, and, you know, I just say to myself, I don't want to see this happen to anybody else. I don't want to see this happen to my son. God forbid he wants to start a business one day. So I've kind of restructured myself over the past 14 years of being in business. And I would say the past five, Michelle, have been the most fulfilling because I feel like I'm on the right rail. I'm doing the right things for the right reasons. And, you know, getting into branding, I think one of the big things that I'm on a mission for is to help other entrepreneurs find the clarity, get the confidence and make a major impact in this world in a positive way before we depart physically. And um, that's, if you were to ask me why I do what I do, it's that right there. And it just so happened that I do this through brand strategy and and design. So that's it in a nutshell. I thought I was going to go faster, but (laughs) that's okay. That's okay. I think there's a lot of valuable stuff in there. And also, I mean, you are not the first entrepreneur to come on this show and be like, oh, I got all the money and then it messed my life up. (laughs) Like you were definitely not the first one. And we talk a lot about kind of how those limiting beliefs don't go away just because your bank account's full. So, Uh you know, thank you for giving us another example for folks listening who think that that's going to fill the void and just fix things because it doesn't necessarily do that. Now I have a celebrity client. I won't say his name, but he texted me on Sunday. Sunday was father's day. And uh, he wrote to me, he said, he said, we're, well, I wrote him. I said, happy Father's Day, bro. And he wrote back. He said, happy Father's Day, brother. He said, he said, we're one of the good ones. And he said, I'll read it to you. Hold on. <laughs> I it love was, it. It was really, really, I'll never forget it. He said, this is coming from a guy that, you know, he does $5 million a, a, a week in revenue. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know what that looks like. <laughs> right. But he said, uh, He said, enjoy the day, man. Kiddos are, he's got a son a year older than mine. He said, enjoy the day, man. Kiddos are the best gift ever. No amount of fame, money, and success compared. A million dollar, because he's from Italy, a million dollar never made me cry. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I, I, I just said, whoa, that's, that's coming from a dude that never has to worry about money again. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's all about evoking the emotion, right? And I mean, you do branding, so you know that, you know that well, that it's, that we're chasing the emotion that it's triggering when we're chasing money and we're chasing the void and we're chasing kind of that fulfillment, but you don't understand, especially for those people who are listening, who don't have kids, like it's a game changer in a larger way than you could ever have imagined. And you become laser focused when they come into the world on what your values are, which I wonder, I guess my question is, from a branding perspective, when you're working with your clients, did that change that? Like how you were going after that? Yeah, so totally. So, you know, I'm a heavily tattooed bald guy from New Jersey. <laughs> so I come, ac- I come across pretty, if you saw me from afar, you'd say this guy, right? But then when you get to know me, they're like, oh, wow, I did not even, I would have never known in a million years based on your outer appearance that your inner appearance was this. And, and I, and I used to get that a lot. And I remember I was at this conference and I was, this guy comes up to me and he says, Oh, I've been listening to your stuff for a while now. And I love it. It's great. But I got to tell you, when I first met you, I thought you were, or before I got to knew you, I thought you were a giant jerk (laughs) and this guy standing next. And I was, so then Michelle, I started apologizing for it. I was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I said, you know, I get that a lot. You know, this guy next to me says to me, don't ever apologize for that ever again. No. He said, that's not your problem. That's his problem. That's his perception. Yeah. 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 Coming through your lens, coming through the lens of him at you. Right. And so what was happening was what I realized was I was coming across very tough and strong and, 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 and I was broken inside. Yeah, I really was at the time. And what was happening was I was attracting the same type of client, but they would give it to me back 10 times harder than I gave it to them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And when I started to finally invest into coaching and I, and I found myself an awesome mentor, he said, it's no surprise, Henry, that you're getting these clients because look at the energy that you're putting out. Right. Right. You know, and until you correct that, you're going to continue to get these types of clients. And so what I realized was once I got my head out of my ass and my ego checked, (laughs) right. Right. Yeah. Right. I realized that nobody cared about my money. Nobody cared about the cars I drove. Nobody cared about any of that stuff. They cared about how much I cared about getting the results that they wanted. Right, right. It's the what's in it for them factor. But, you know, on steroids, especially when you come to a personality brand, I would assume is like, you know, it's it's really what's in it for them on some level, but also you understanding and dissecting the what's in it for them. And, you know, your status doesn't, is irrelevant at that point. Exactly. It opens doors. I'm sure it opens doors on some levels, right? Because you've clout but that's not necessarily tied to the cars and the houses and all that stuff. No. And, and to, and and I really want to make this relevant to the show because this is the resilient entrepreneur Mm -hmm. podcast, you know? So, you know, first year of business, we did well. It gave me, it gave me the confidence to continue. But when I got to year five, Michelle, I was out of the niche that I was serving, which is like the nightclub industry at the time. Right. So I was out of that. I was married. I was getting older. I didn't want to be in that scene anymore because exactly. it's not for married people. It's not. Nope. Right. Um, <laughs> and so I was getting out of that scene. My 
Fiverr just comes out and 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 disrupts the whole design industry. Mm-hmm. Now I can't. I lost two big clients from Hurricane Sandy that came in, that 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 stood for about a quarter of a million dollars. Yeah. And when they restructured after that storm, they said we're not we're going to just take everything in house. We're, we're not going to use you anymore. So how do you recoup that money? It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And so I go into this horrible tailspin of just self sabotage. I'm just going to burn this thing to the ground yep, and then feel sorry for myself and then hopefully figure it out. And luckily I didn't get that far. Good. I got to some negative money in my bank account, but I, I finally said to myself, I need to, and I was holding it all in Michelle. I didn't want to show my parents. I might, I didn't want to show my wife. I didn't want to show my in-laws like, what a like shame. What a I'm shame ashamed. Around that. I'm ashamed. Yeah. And so I, I went to my wife on a Sunday afternoon and said, here's the story. I'm broke. The business is broke. And I don't know what to do. And she said, you need help. Yeah. And so she jumps off the bed. Now, before she said, you need help. There's a lot of swearing, probably. <laughs> she jumps off the bed. She jumps off the bed and goes into my office to pull out, bring over the laptop into the bed. She opens up the laptop and I'm like, is this, is this, are we Googling divorce attorneys or are we, <laughs> are we going to look for help? And so she, she helped me find help. Right. Okay. And so that's where Russell Brunson came into my world. And I started studying his stuff and um, I, I did not have the money to invest in his coaching, but I invested in his coaching and said, it's not if this works, it's when this works. Right. And the irony of it was we get on a call together and 15 minutes in, I'm crying, he's crying. And at the end of the conversation, he says, I want to, I want to hire you. You're an awesome designer. I have tons of stuff that I need. My stuff is in shambles. Like I got six different designers working for me and they're nothing's really, nothing's really getting me. So he said, what could you do for X, Y, Z? And I, I said, I don't know. Now I'm into him 10 grand. So I got to figure out how to make that money back. Yeah. So uh, I said, how's six? And he goes, okay, give me your PayPal. So he sends me six. So within a day, I made back the 60% of that investment. Talk about how the universe takes care of you when you you take, you know, when you bet on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. A couple months after that, he hits me back again. And he says, we're, we want to get this ClickFunnels brand up to par. And I think you're the guy to do it. So would you, would you, would you think about it? And I said, yeah. And so we spent, I spent two and a half years with him rebranding ClickFunnels. Mm-hmm. And about six months after that, he hit a hundred million dollars yeah. in, in revenue. And that was awesome. So that whole experience kind of catapulted me into the next phase or the next chapter of this business. And uh, I went another five years and hit another growing pain, which was scale. Yeah. It's hard. <laughs> I was still doing everything myself. You know, I was the salesperson. I was the marketer. I was the delivery person because print back then was still pretty big. Right. I was doing everything. And then my wife was like, when, when do you want to hang out? Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, after this last this menu design, you know, like I didn't know what to tell her. And uh, finally, you know, this is where Russell was kind of helping me on the side. And he said, 
you need to replace yourself. You need to get out of the designer role if you want to scale this puppy. Yeah. And I did. And I started to build out my team and I started to realize that you need systems in place and processes. And I didn't have that. And I was getting bigger and better and busier. And I got two big clients one time at the same time where their projects kind of fell through the cracks because my, I wasn't set up for that, for the, for the heftiness of scope. Right. And everything came barreling down. I had to refund like 40 grand in a day, which put me into a huge, huge deficit for, I was 40 grand in debt overnight. Yeah. yeah. Which hit, which hurts. And I think, you know, I think people get scared to scale because it's painful to scale on some yeah. levels, it's right? Scary you have to- <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You're like, oh, wait, I have to relinquish control of this thing that I've had control over for 10 years for good, bad or ugly, whatever it may be. But, you know, I think it it sounds like it yielded you some pretty damn good results in the long haul, though. Well, shortly after that disaster, I took my business extremely serious because I said, this is going to be how you make your make your your, your, your your livelihood. Yeah. No. And you have no right to, to, to promise and under deliver. And so I spent that, that year I spent probably, I didn't even have the money. I got some money infused to me from, from savings. Uh, I didn't want to tap into it, but I did because I I believed in myself and I believed in this business and I I wasn't done. I wasn't going to throw in a towel. Everything that happened was because of me. Right. So I said, you need to take responsibility for that. And so I did. So I took money that I had and it was gifted. And I, my father told me, he said, listen, this is money f- for when I die. So remember that. Take it back. Like, yeah. Like, <laughs> like you don't have to pay me back, but you can't, you can't come to me next year and need another 40. Exactly. This is it. You yeah. cut off. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so he made that abundantly clear. And I remember telling him, so I was getting the money kind of installed to me and I got to about 30, I got to about 32,000 and I told him, I don't want it. Just keep, keep the eight. I don't need it. I'm going to get my ass out of this because I, I was reinvesting that money in. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and so what I did was I hired somebody, helped me with my processes and systems, helped me with the, right. I built out a stronger team. I got better designers and better copywriters and better, right? And um, that year, believe it or not, that year, I got the Two Comma Club Award. Nice. And the, the, the Two Comma Club Award is when you when you have a marketing funnel using the ClickFunnels program that generated over a million dollars. We did $1.3 million that year. Awesome. And mm-hmm. that's when I said to myself, like, don't count yourself out, baby especially when you feel like all the doors are shut and nothing's going your way. Like don't focus on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. And what I did have was I went back to my childhood, Michelle. Yeah. I went back to my grit. I went back to my work ethic. I went back to my people skills. Yeah. And I said, we're going to make this happen. And so now I I've have, I have the same team that I've had for the past five years very little over uh, turnover. And like, I've built this little family. So now what we do is we focus on helping personality brands that want to scale, 
that want to get out of their own way, want to replace themselves, get to that seven figure plus mark by brand strategy and really that, that confidence that they can actually do it. Confidence and clarity, I think when you ask any of my clients, what's the big takeaway out of the program? They say clarity and confidence. You gave me the clarity to focus on what I needed to do and you gave me the confidence to do it. And I always tell everybody that I, I, I come across, when you're working off a full tank of confidence, there's nothing you can't do. No, there isn't. There isn't. There's such a value. I mean, like you said earlier, you know, all of the stuff happened because of you, right? Like, and it's that, that's the thing is, you know, when I run through with clients, because I'm a business strategist, you know, we go through the operations and the streamlining, we go through the marketing plan, the operations plan, but people always forget that personal development plan, right? Like if you're not looking at your own shit, good luck scaling, because you're going to be at war with yourself the entire time. And sometimes you can't figure it out by yourself, which is why you and I exist in this world to help walk people through that. So, I mean, talk to me about, you know, the, the process, because I see a lot of people skip the step and a lot yeah. of people skip the branding step, yeah. uh, myself included when I came out of the gate, but now absolutely not. But, you know, so talk to me about your process a little bit with folks. Yeah. So uh, branding at its core is the gut feeling that people get about you, your product or service, right? right. Let's just call it what it is, right? It, it's, it's not your logo or any of that. So, exactly. so it's that gut feeling. So that's what we want to establish first and foremost. But the second thing that I want you to pay attention to is the process and to get you to that great branding position, right? Because I see a lot of my clients, they have a great product or service, not positioned properly, hence the lack of confidence, hence why they're not charging what they should be. Right. right? So the reason why I got the brand doctor name or coined the brand doctor from one of my branding buddies yeah. was my process. And that's diagnosis, prescription, and then application. Good. So it's very much like how a doctor would perform surgery, he's going to come in or she's going to come in and she's going to do a thorough discovery of what is going on, right? Right. Where you are right now, where do you want to go? What's, what's blocking that, right? Then we're going to customize a prescribed strategy for that. Customize. Customize. Is this, Go figure. Yeah, <laughs> and I, say, is I not, say that with love because everybody wants like a repeat process that yields the same thing and you can just take it and pick it up and put it on things. But I'm very similar to you in my process where it's current state analysis and then yes. customize the result because it's customized to them, I would assume. Right. So the framework, I will say this, like the framework is correct. Like right. building a house, right. right? You're not going to put the roof on before you put the foundation in, exactly. right? So the, the framework is concrete, but how people build homes are very different from like, you know, yeah. my neighbor has a very different house than the house that we, and, and that's where it becomes customized, right? right. So exactly. Exactly. we customize it to their brand, their business, what they want to do with their with their mission and purpose, right? Mm -hmm. And then we have the team to apply it. So there's a lot of folks out there that just do the strategic part. Yes. We do the strategic part, but now we have an option where you could come on board and we'll build the whole thing out for you. Like we've built you the blueprint, here it is. If you want to go find another contractor, go ahead. But we have the team to do this and we could do it in 90 days or less. Right. You know, up to you totally. And uh, so a lot of our st strategy clients come in and they do the full 
full program, which is the brand accelerator program. And again, it's a 90 day process, but it gets you that clarity, that confidence, that position. Now, you know what your revenue goals are. Now, you know what your efficiency goals are. Now, you know what your awareness goals are and how you're going to market and, and what platforms you're going to market on and, and who your ideal clients are. Oh my gosh. Can we, can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Let's do it with the time we have left. Let's do, do you, it. Do you know how many times I get clients and I know you can appreciate this. And if you've heard me on the podcast, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is who the F is your ideal client. And if you do not know, again, guys, I've said it before, get off, stop listening to this podcast and go figure it out, <laughs> right? Because it is it is a huge part of orchestrating the entire thing. And it amazes me that folks don't understand that. <laughs> mm. Well, it I this week, as of this recording, I'm doing, a, I do a lot of live streaming. I do, I do a show every Monday. I do a, a show on YouTube every Wednesday. Um, and Tuesday, Thursdays, I do IG lives yeah. on Instagram. And this whole week, this week's theme is building your influence on social. And one of the big problems that I see people have when they're trying to build influence on social is they go too broad. Yeah. They go too broad. They don't know who they're talking to. So if you don't know who you're talking to, <laughs> your audience doesn't know either. Well, right. And I mean, and it's it's amazing the level of resistance that I get from some folks when we're trying to do that. And it's a fear, right? It's it's rooted most of the times in fear from like, I don't want to narrow myself down so much, or I want to this, I want to that. When in my mind, it's a living, breathing thing anyway. So the same person that maybe I was speaking to at year one may not be the same person I'm speaking to at year 10, and that's okay. But again, like you have to have a baseline strategy with that. Yes, yes, yes. So, you know, I, I'm i gonna, I'm gonna speak to, because I don't know exactly who the audience is, but I'm gonna speak to my ideal customer. Right. I, this is a customer that is, I, I like to say client too, client, customer, client, right? My client's been in business for a few years now and they want to level everything up, right? They don't know how to brand themselves to that specific person right. because they don't know who that person is, like we just mentioned, right? right. So my question is, let's go back into your client roster and let's look at a client that you served at the highest level that got the best result that you thoroughly enjoyed exactly and do a profile of that person right right do a profile like the fbi profiles exactly it's the same sort of thing same, same sort of thing it's the same thing i want you to do a psychographic profile of that person i want you to do a demographic profile that's an easy that's the easy part but I want you to, to, to ask these questions. What kind of car does he drive or her? What kind of watch do they wear? What kind of clothes do they wear? What, what, where do they go out for, for, for to eat, right? And then here's the big question. What does this say about this person? Right. Why are they buying from your competitors and not you? What is your competitors doing to earn their business? What aren't they doing? Yeah. What could they be doing better that you could do? Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Get in there to, to carve that thing. We're doing a really cool thing. I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. So I have a partner who does um, the podcast with me. 
I do some solo episodes, but this guy, he wants to get better. He's actually a client of mine. He wants to get better in front of video and he wants to get more confident in how he, his thought leadership, right? So guys, guys, a genius in, in, in what he does. Once, so I said, why don't you come be a co-host on my show? Come on, let's go. I'll throw you right into the fire. So, so I'm learning Italian because I've been, I've been to Italy a few times and we're going next year for my, my wife's 40th and I want to learn the language. That's always a always thing, right? So this app that I use really stepped up and they gamified the whole process now, right? So I'm telling my client this today and he goes, you're really into this, aren't you? I go, yeah. Like, this is so cool. Like I could be playing video games or I could do this, right? So I do this. So he said, what if we do this for your business? So now he's giving me advice and I'm, he's my client, right? And I'm like, right. oh, I'm listening, I'm listening. So he's giving me some advice. And I said, how about this? I love that idea. How about this? What if we gamify our content strategy? Right. So he says, oh, I see where you're going with this. I said, why don't we do this? Why don't we incentivize our viewership and if they show up for a month straight, we'll, we'll have little code words and we'll dump those code words into different parts of the live stream. You won't know when they come. Their eggs. Right? Yeah. yeah. And if you call it out in the comments, we will put you in a pot for a free strategy session with me. Those are 500 bucks, like one-on-one brand assessment, 500 bucks. Nice. And so he was like, dude, that's awesome. So we're going to start it literally tomorrow, Wednesday. And in 30 days, we're going to have a few really cool uh, gifts and giveaways. Um, maybe you didn't make it to the end. Maybe we'll throw you a little something, something. <laughs> but if you made it to the end, you're going to get a strategy session with me, you know, that has a value of 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that we're doing that's different and fun and, yeah. and, and getting people to, you know, listen, business, business doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be scary. You can make it as fun as you'd like. So that's sort of what I'm doing moving forward is like, how can I bring in my fun personality into this and, and really just beef up the program even better than what it is right now? Yeah. I mean, if it was up to, if it was up to me, my point of view is that you're just getting started, my dear. I feel it. <laughs> because, I feel it. You know, I mean, and you're, you're so right. And we talk a lot on the podcast about, you know, purposefully infusing joy into things and actually remembering, I just did an episode, I think last week on like, what is play? Everything does not have to have. Like, I listened to that one. Measurable outcome. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm of guilty me, of it myself. I thought of me playing this, 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 this language teaching app. I was like, this, this is how I play. Yeah. Yeah. And you're <laughs> conscious of it and you're making a decision to do it, which, you know, I absolutely love. So, I mean, I could go on for hours with you. <laughs> I mean, just in the branding, I spent a lot of time doing branding for PayPal and lots of different things. So um, I love where you're at. I love your energy, but I want to leave some for people to go find you. <laughs> so tell them, <laughs> tell them where they can go consume your stuff, friend. Yeah. So I have a really cool masterclass that um, we just redid. Um, and if you go to unique designs, it's a Z at the end, not an S dot net forward slash level up my branding. 
you will get access to that masterclass. It's about 22 minutes long. It's nothing that's, that's going to put you to sleep. Obviously, you know my energy at this point. Yeah, it's not, you're you know, not going to sleep. You're not going to sleep on that, but it's going to really help you. I really synthesize down my process and I show some really cool case studies on how I, I've been able to turn some big brands around, uh, personality brands specifically, uh, and get them to six and seven figure clients and um, they're doing some amazing things. So you can check that out. And then I have a podcast called The Brand Doctor Podcast, which I would love to have you on, Michelle. Yeah, I would love to so, be on. I, I was checking it out and I think it's great. I think yeah, it's a so conversation. I would, I would love to have, let's continue this convo on my show and we'll stream it live and then we'll get it on all the platforms like we typically do. Um, so yeah, that would be awesome. So the podcast is called The Brand Doctor Podcast. Go have a, go have a here. Yeah, definitely, guys. Go over there and check it out, please, because he knows what he's talking about. And, you know, we will continue this conversation. But thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you, Michelle. It was a pleasure. So that episode, you know, he's just he's just a lovely, lovely gentleman in general, you know, but I just I like how he tells his stories and he's he's really open about kind of the ups and downs. And I got to say, like, he's spot on when you look at him, you're like, he's all tatted up and he's kind of like tough guy looking. And then when you actually get to talk to him, you know, he, he's been through some stuff and he's kind of woken up to what he needs to be learning in order to move himself forward. You know, when he was telling that story about, <clears throat> excuse me, admitting defeat to his wife, right. That he was broke. Like, Wow. Number one, their marriage, shout out to her. Number two, like that takes a lot of courage to sit across from somebody. Right. But also it takes a lot of courage to do the work folks. It takes a lot of courage to do the work and realize which part of the journey you were accountable for. You know, I have that conversation with my, my children all the time around like, okay, which part of this do you own versus somebody else own, right? And it's never about blame. It's more about how do we move forward with the collective tool set, with the collective learnings and how do you keep making it better? And until you can kind of get to that place of self-awareness and understanding where you're standing in your own way, you know, no amount of tools, no amount of processes, nothing like that is really going to be able to fix that. So you have that power, folks, the power of choice and all that good stuff. So anyways, on next week's episode, two of my favorite people on the planet, I have to say, um, Krista and Phil Franks are going to be with us. And I met Krista this summer, this past summer, when I was going through Amy Jo Martin's ex, um, Renegade Accelerator, which is a beautiful program for anyone interested in that. You should be following her and looking at all that because um, it was amazing. And I met Krista in there and I have to say her and her husband are just lovely people, number one, but also they're, they're really focused on helping people craft lives that are theirs. Like in one of their videos, the first thing was like, we were sitting around one day and asking ourselves, if we die tomorrow, would we be happy with our lives? And our answer was no. So if you've ever had one of those moments, I know I have, you're probably going to want to listen to next week's show. <laughs> and as always, if you love the show, please, 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 because it helps lots of other fabulous entrepreneurs like you find us. Don't forget to download, subscribe, rate, review, follow, all of those good things. And, you know, tell a friend because you never know who could lead a little bit more resilience in your life. Take care.